Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Ego Child Podcast, a Call of Duty esports podcast. My name is Preston Byers, and as always, I'm joined by Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode, we're going to be covering stage four, week two of the Call of Duty League, uh, which included a rather disappointing performance from the Seattle Surge, which is obviously not that surprising if you've been listening to our recent episodes, uh, as well as two losses from the Los Angeles Thieves. And uh, later in the show, we're going to talk about stage four, week three, the final week of uh, maybe possibly of online group play. Uh, I mean, we don't really know, but uh, at least this will be the last time we see online for about three weeks. So uh, how you doing, Bink? I'm all right. I was a little chalked earlier, but as uh, Trem would say, pop stem and I'll be good to go for this. It's never chalked, does it? As a, as a wise person once said, it's never chalked, um, even though the old podcast name would have indicated otherwise. Uh, so let's start off with Stage 4 Week 2 matches. Uh, we had uh, some pretty interesting matchups on Day 1, at least in the back half, in my opinion. Uh, but two um, pretty convincing results in both of these matches. The Atlanta Phase swept the Seattle Surge, and the Dallas Empire swept... Uh, the best team in the Call of Duty League, despite their record, the Los Angeles Gorillas. Uh, what do you think of these two matches? This was pretty quick day. I'm pretty sure both of these matches were done before you even started your uh, yeah, shift sure. at work. So, yeah. Uh, it was real quick. I mean, we, we kind of talked about, I'm pretty sure it was at least on the last episode, we were talking about not being too sure about what to expect from Dallas, right? Like, we felt yeah. like... Obviously, you pick Gorillas, and I was like kind of on the fence. Whereas I, I was seen as this, it was a match either team could have won. Um, but um, obviously, you know, this was kind of a revenge, a revenge match for Vivid, first time playing against his former team. And although uh, he wasn't necessarily the player of the series, he still uh, played his role and helped Dallas get the dub they needed. Yeah, so that's a that's a big win for Dallas, not only for Vivid, just to get that revenge win like you said but also just because they haven't had many great performances since benching hook uh you know and i wouldn't say that lag are the they're not the worst team because we'll get to that but they are one of the worst teams and this is a much needed win it's, if you lose this match then you're almost certainly going to start in the losers bracket and it's going to be a hard major for you as for Seattle, that may be the worst team. Um, they So they lose to Phase 3-0, and that makes nine consecutive match losses and nine consecutive control losses in a row uh, for Seattle. Um, their last win in control or in a match was against Florida at the Stage 2 Major. So they went the entirety of Stage 3 without a win, and it's looking like they may go the entirety of Stage 4 without a win. Uh, they still have a few matches, uh, obviously, including group uh, stage and the major, but they haven't had great performances against anybody, really. Uh, so it's, what What do you think of this? Like, what is, is there a solution for this team at this point? Uh, solution to what end? Aren't we talking about making champs? Or? Yeah, let's, because I, I don't think that many teams have the, like a real good chance of winning champs because really like the top five teams are the real contenders but yeah to get out of the bottom four to even qualify for champs what is the solution if there is one 
don't think they're. I mean, they're 100 points back of Florida, and Florida's in eighth place right now. So I really don't think there is. I mean, we talked about it um, a couple weeks ago, I think, now. Uh, after, maybe it was after decim, the whole decimated situation with them leaving or them parting ways, however you want to word it. Um, when we were talking about censor, right? Like, even to me, before these last couple of weeks transpired, I felt like Seattle was in a position where um, they they just weren't really going to be competing. I think they were in too big of a hole to try and get into the top eight for champs, and obviously that hole's increased now. But even back then, it seemed like uh, they were facing a very uphill battle since they were in last place in the standings. And I, I, I know other people in the community, but I was thinking, you know, if Seattle got a guy like Sensor, uh, even if he doesn't perform well, they're still going to have people watching their games, and uh, it would have been good for interaction, stuff like that. So that's, I mean, that's when I, I was thinking, even before all these last couple of matches have happened, and now they're just at this point, like you said, all, all the losing streaks and whatnot. It's just they're, they're not in a good spot, and I really don't know if there's anything they can do to salvage the season. Yeah, they were one of the first teams that at least we were talking about maybe making a roster change earlier in the season because they did start off so slow. And at the time, Pristini was underperforming, at least relative to the rest of the team. And, I mean at that point it's like do you make this move now or do you wait maybe three four five weeks see if anything improves and then make a change if you need to at that point but there have been certain times in the season where Seattle has looked I wouldn't say good but say decent or average because they have performed you know at times like where you think they would um, stage two, they got two stage um, group stage wins, one over Florida, one over Paris. They went to game five with Dallas, went to game five with Minnesota as well. And they even won a game or a match at the major, and then they lost the optic in the stage two major. But since then, they've been, well, they haven't won. So obviously they haven't, they haven't been very good. And it's just, I, I don't really know. Maybe it's just poor roster construction again like last season where people I mean I know they debated this on the the flank uh maybe a month or month and a half ago but you know some people were trying to say that everybody thought that Seattle roster would be good at the at the beginning of the Call of Duty League season which I don't know if that's very accurate because when I looked at the roster I didn't think it was very good so I don't I don't know if that if it's just they don't they can't seem to construct a roster or what what the issue is there i don't know i feel like i mean obviously the results speak for themselves like the roster isn't performing and then yeah. they're in last place like nothing you can say about that but obviously i think the, the guys they have on the team are all talented like you know you, you would think from a talent perspective having octane and gunless on the same team would work well but obviously just something isn't clicking um and like you said maybe there's something to that extent where you know it, i can't remember where i saw if it was on twitter or somebody was talking about it on the flank or something but maybe it's like saying something where like uh 
you can't have Octane and Gunless both on the same team. Like in this game, Gunless might be a main AR. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but that just like brings up the point in my head that like uh, something just obviously isn't working for Seattle, and it doesn't necessarily mean the players aren't talented. Like mm-hmm. you know, you you have guys like Mike Trout in the MLB playing on bad teams, but that doesn't mean he's not talented. So. Yeah. I mean, you can have good players on bad teams, but something's just not going right for Seattle, and they they got good players, but it's a bad team. Yeah, and that's the same story from last year because they had Karma, who's one of the best Call of Duty players of all time, Apathy, one of the best submachine gun players of all time. Um, They had, obviously, Octane is still there, so he's like the, the holdover from last season to this season, and he is considered to be one of the greatest ARs of all time and I just I don't know what it is I don't know like I know that we've we've spoke a uh, a lot of around a lot about on air but we've talked about how Octane isn't you know considered to be the greatest search player like a great respawn AR but not the greatest search player but if that's the case and he actually I think he has really good stats and search obviously stats aren't everything but he has decent stats so it's obviously you know classic who they just picked up has some of the worst search stats in the entire league so it's kind of like you know what how how are you building this team like what is this team building to are you trying to win searches consistently or are you more focused like okay we're gonna win these respawns like if we're a really good hard point team we can get one and four and then it's just about getting you know, either one of those searches or getting control, which has been a really big point of contention for them because at this point with this loss, they lost nine straight controls. They have the worst control record. I, I believe they won three all seasons, so I believe they're like three and nineteen or something right now. Like it's it's really it's really, really bad. So uh I don't know. Like it I I I interviewed Nubsy last year uh, after I believe it was the Enable debacle where it was like, is he in or is he out? And I felt bad for Nubsy because he was getting a lot of blame from people like that, like he's Bill Belichick or something that he's able to unilaterally make these moves. But I don't know. I just don't know what the solution is for this team long term. I, I know maybe Octane probably won't be there next year, or he might. I don't know, but yes, there's I, no guarantee there. We 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 don't know what Seattle's gonna do next year, obviously. And there's been plenty of questions around like their willingness to sign uh, amateur talent and stuff like that as far back as last year during the season. Yeah. Um. But I just I think a quote-unquote solution i don't i still don't think seattle is going to make champs they're just in too deep of a hole but for the short term what i would like to see them do i don't think they're going to do this but i would like to see them do is take a shot on just you know some of these amateur players like you know the the reaction to benching someone like octane probably wouldn't be good and so they, they probably wouldn't go, go down that route but but just as an example, if if they like sign a, a young amateur player, not even, I'm not even gonna name a name, but if they just sign an amateur player and bench somebody on the current roster, and just or even if they benched all four people on the current roster and signed four amateurs to mm-hmm. two week contracts for stage five group play, just to see what they can do, right? That would be something interesting. I 
like I said, I do not think that's going to happen just based off of, I mean, I don't think any team would do that, uh, let alone Seattle, just based on their history with, you know, rumors and stuff of them not wanting to make moves like that, uh, regardless of, you know, short-term, long-term, whatever. But that would be interesting if any team was willing to do it. And I think Seattle is in the position where they could do that if they actually wanted to. Uh, but again, I don't think they will. And long term, I don't know what they do. They're, I feel like I, I, I feel like Octane is gonna wanna you know get a fresh start somewhere else. Just yeah. you know, these have been two bad seasons for him, right? So like, it would make sense to me if he went elsewhere. Depending on his contract situation, obviously we don't know for sure. Um, so does maybe Seattle build around Gunless? That would be interesting. I think that was brought up on the flank or somewhere else. I'm not really remembering, but um, that could be an interesting prospect. Or they just, you know, blow it up and start from scratch. Um, I don't even, I don't know if Seattle has like a public GM. I'm not even sure uh, if we so. know who the GM of Seattle is. So um, I guess we're just going to have to wait till the offseason to find out. But yeah, a lot of obviously things aren't going well for Seattle right now. Uh, the season kind of, you know, at this point, those players are basically playing for personal stock. I feel like just to like, you know, try and prove that they, I mean, they're, they're all talented veterans, you know, Christine is a world champion, Octane, Gunless, both MVP caliber players and classics like that role glue guy. So, um, they're, they're guys you expect to see in the CDL and, probably go their separate ways next year and piece something together elsewhere. I'm not really sure, but um, to me, I think that's the long-term answer for Seattle is they got to just try something fresh in 2022. So let's move on to these next two matches. On Friday, we had the Los Angeles Thieves versus the Paris Legion and the New York Subliners versus the Florida Mutineers. Uh, so let's start at the top. Uh, LAT versus Paris. Paris coming in had not won since May 2nd, and they had only had one win with Temp in their lineup who joined them prior to Stage 3. Uh, so they, and they win this. They win 3-1 over the Thieves. Uh, this makes, I believe, the first loss with the Thieves with TJ back in the lineup because I think they only played one last week, and they played two this week. So I believe that they're... At this point, one and one with TJ. Um, Paris. Oh, since the who situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, so. Well, they're one and two in Group A. Yeah. But they so lost. Before the. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and this is notable for Paris because uh, Aqua is on the AR scraps on the sub, and they come out with a win, a very much needed win, and a pretty surprising one. I mean, I didn't think that the Thieves were they didn't look incredible last week i think they had a five game series with seattle uh but it, so not incredible but i obviously didn't think paris would be able to come out with a win what do you think of paris's win here yeah i think that was the most notable thing kind of like you mentioned at the top uh shout out crown obviously in the chat but uh he posted on cdl there's that that clip of aqua and obviously it turned out uh, he wasn't being too serious, but, you know, last week we talked about him potentially mm. uh, going to a sub role, and, you know, we touched on all that, him playing sub in the past, and Paris's history so far this year of, you know, making role changes before making roster changes, etc. 
Uh, but it turns out it, it could have been due to the maps or something, but uh, we saw Aqua in this series primarily using the AR while Scraps was on the SMG, so it's uh, Aqua and Temp on the ARs with Scraps and Zapdius on the subs. Uh, so that was, you know, it's obviously uh, a bit of a switch because I think, you know, we've seen Scraps and Temp keep going back and forth on who's running that second AR. Um, but regardless, it seems like that's what they're working with right now. Um, obviously, this week things could change again. I don't really know, but uh, this was a big win, like you said. I don't think many people expected um, Paris to take this one over the Thieves, but they got the job done. So with this win, uh, they were 2-7 and seven with Temp. So uh, through the first nine matches uh, since the beginning of Stage 3, uh, only two wins for Paris. Just a, a really big win. Not, I mean, they're uh, very much likely not going to be in the upper bracket of uh, the Stage 4 major bracket. But, I mean, wins are wins. 10 CDL points are always useful. And at this point, it's more just a confidence booster because they had played, I wouldn't say, like, the worst Call of Duty I've ever seen. But they were very much not on the same level they were even at earlier in the season uh you know before they made the move um and they still had classic and everything so really impressed by paris uh and then this new york florida series this was a really big one because florida had looked really good coming into this match they had played really well uh throughout the beginning stages of stage four new york you know since they brought in hydra they've looked to be really good uh, they just finished second at the stage three major uh, and they come out with a win. They uh, come back and they win 3-2. Uh, what do you make of New York's win over Florida here? Yeah, I thought this was a really uh, great match. I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I said on the last episode that this was going to be the match of the week just based off, you know, Florida was coming out that upset uh, over Toronto in the previous week and they were looking strong. And obviously, you know, uh, New York has done well recently, like you said, since adding Hydra. So I had high expectations for this matchup, and I wasn't disappointed. Uh, all the maps were super close if, you know, we look at the individual map scores. But the, the biggest thing for me here was that um, New York actually won uh, both Search and Destroys. Um, mm -hmm. Florida, you know, we... we like you just said, New York's been really good at hard point. That's been documented. And Florida was able to steal map 1, 250, 234. Uh, New York takes standoff 6-3. And then Florida wins raid control 3-2. Uh, so New York backs against the wall, down 1-2. Uh, they take checkmate hard point 250, 228, and express search 6-2. So um, really close series on paper. And it was an exciting one to watch. Um, let me pull up the stats real quick from breaking point um and if we look uh skies had the highest kd in the series overall with a 1.28 uh nobody else at neptune went 99.95 so he had a 1 kd uh but this is another situation where awakening wasn't necessarily humongous wake he dropped a 0.95 um but florida was still able to get the job done and you know not get the job done i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> but uh Situation there where I guess we, we've talked about um, awakening needing to pop off for Florida to win, and that wasn't the case here. Uh, 
kind of put my foot in the mouth. But uh, and then for New York, Mac and Hydra, Mac had a 1.08, and Hydra had a 1.04. Uh, so nothing, you know, necessarily absurd there in a stats perspective. But um, I guess that's to be expected when two of the maps that uh, New York is winning of those searches. So that's not necessarily like a KD generator yeah. when you only got one life per round. So. Um, regardless of me messing up there in the segment, I really did enjoy this, uh, series and it, it'll be an interesting one. If we, if we look at the standings real quick, I don't think did either of these teams play at Florida and New York both played again. So I'll touch on that later, but, um, will be interesting to see how this group shakes up. Cause this was basically, um, the match for first place at that time in the group just because both of those teams were undefeated and uh florida had upset toronto so uh it was an important match and new york got the win but it was really close one went down the wire and i enjoyed it at the very least you could say this is basically a tiebreaker match because there's a good chance that um, out of New York, Florida, and Toronto, that at least two of these teams will tie for first at the top, and you know there will need to be some tiebreaker involved to decide which team you know is first, which team is second, which team is third, going into uh, the major. And with a win here at New York, I mean they still have to deal with Toronto, and that's going to be a really tough match. But this definitely helps them. Um, for Florida, if they had if they had won this, I mean, they uh, I did they play Toronto later in the week or did they already yeah so they had already beaten Toronto, and yeah I mean just beating New York and Toronto in your group, and you know Dallas hasn't looked the greatest and uh, you know London and LAG aren't really anything special either so a win here would have been uh, gigantic for them unfortunately it doesn't happen. Uh, but, you know, they still show that they're improving and that uh, maybe a few months ago, um, you know, consistently, I don't think that they could have hung with team uh, like a team like New York at this level right now. So, um, you know, kudos to both teams. Really great match. And I'm excited to maybe see a rematch in the major because, um, I mean, a big wake goes off and he's humongous wake or walloping wake or whatever they're trying to call him. He's a... Uh, He's he's an absolute weapon on the map, so uh, just going to be interested to see what comes of that. Uh, on Saturday, we had three matches: uh, Toronto versus London, Optic versus Paris, and the Minnesota Rocker versus the aforementioned Seattle Surge. Uh, starting at the top, Toronto they sweep uh, London. Uh, really, no surprise there from us because we both predicted that Toronto would win this. Uh, for Optic, they win 3-1 against Paris, who had just won the previous day. Uh, so, you know, uh, Paris was unable to string together wins. And uh, Minnesota, they beat Seattle, who lost uh, two days prior. Uh, so nothing real surprising coming out of uh, this day. Are there any particular things that you're thinking about coming out of Saturday? I know that you said that you were busy most of the day because of a wedding or something, but from the limited time that you were able to tune in, what do you think? I was at the Yankees game, not a wedding. Yankees game. <laughs> but regardless. More important, uh, actually. <laughs> um, no, so like you said, I, I think the Toronto 3-0, nothing. We really have to touch on there. It was, I mean, the Moscow search was 6-5. 
Um, I think that round 11, I, I saw the clip on uh, CBL Twitter, it was like um, a, a longer offensive round where Toronto made like a blind read on London rotating the bomb and Bance uh, went through a bricks there and, and got a nice play uh, to seal the deal for them. But other than that, it's pretty straightforward series for Toronto. You expect them to take down a team like London and convince investing like that. Um, looking at uh, the Optic versus Paris matchup, uh, this is like, um, I, I guess the only thing that really stands out to me is that Optic was able to win the search. Um, and, you know, they've looked better at search aside from their, like, stint where they were struggling just overall, mm -hmm. uh, regardless in search. Uh, but recently they've looked a little better better in search, in my opinion, and uh, maybe that has something to do with standoff. Uh, but regardless, they win this standoff 6-2. And I just think that's noticeable because we saw... Um, I believe it was the week before Paris went 0-2 and they lost all three respawn, but they won both searches. So technically Paris was playing well in search with Zaptius. This might have actually been their first search loss with Zaptius because they beat uh, the Thieves in search, right? Pretty sure yeah, there was so I think out. this was tech. Yeah, so I think this was technically their first search loss with Zaptius on team. So I guess that's noticeable, but you know, in typical optic fashion. Uh, they win both hard points, so nothing else to really take away there. And then uh, Minnesota versus Surge. Seattle does win map one hard point, but after that, Minnesota took care of business. Uh, another control loss for Seattle. And, uh, yeah, just nothing else to really say about Seattle, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Kind of beat that earlier. Yeah, uh, that makes it 10 in a row, so... Uh... So not great. Uh, I don't know if it's been confirmed or anything, but um, was it Tactical Rab that said that this was this tied um, the league record for most consecutive match losses? Because I saw somebody tweet out on Saturday after this match that Seattle had tied uh, the original record for most match losses, which I don't really know who would have owned that record. I mean, Seattle would be a definite contender for that, but uh, I feel like, I don't know, like I, it would have had to have been one of, one of those bottom four teams, um, and it definitely wasn't Optic Gaming, I would assume, so, you know, it's, I, maybe it is Seattle, maybe they tied their own record uh, for most consecutive losses, uh, either I'm way. Just, I'm scrolling. Yeah, so I, either way, though. Alright. I don't, maybe it was Crone, um, but I just, I remember seeing oh. it. I didn't actually, you know, like, fact check it because I was just like, eh, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, but, yeah, just really disappointing. I mean, uh, yeah, so it was it was Crone at Intel Call of Duty. Uh, he tweeted on Saturday, Seattle Surge are on a 10-match losing streak, which ties the all-time CDL record held by the Minnesota Rocker. Uh, Surge haven't won a series since April 9th. They've won four series this season. So that would make sense. Minnesota really did have a down point last year after they uh, transitioned to online where they completely fell off a cliff. So it uh, makes sense. Um, man, They it doesn't really get, like, I mean, the next, the next match they have is against Optic. So I would say there's a, a better than 50% chance that 
the Seattle Surge become the first team to win 11 straight or to lose 11 straight matches and they play Paris to to close out stage four group play and who knows maybe they'll get to 12 I, I don't know if they're going to try to go rest of the season without winning but something to keep your eye out for um, let's, let's move on to these final three matches of the week on Sunday we had Florida versus London Optic versus oh no I'm literally about to repeat everything Florida versus the Los Angeles Gorillas the uh, Atlanta Fays versus the Los Angeles Thieves and the New York Subliners versus the Dallas Empire. Uh, starting at the top, LAG, they fall again. They uh, they fall to 0-3 in Stage 4 group play as Florida picks up their third win of the stage. Uh, I mean, I predicted the Gorillas would win with my heart, but um, my brain is much smarter than my heart, and uh, Florida came out with the win. Uh, I don't know if you have any uh, thoughts on the match, but uh, you predicted Florida to win, so if you want to go ahead and gloat about it. I don't think there's anything to really gloat about here. I felt like that was an easier one, unless you're in the Gorillas as winning champs crowd like uh, yourself. But um, other than us. that, I mean... <laughs> Uh, just just heading into this week, we knew that Florida versus New York match was going to be a tough one, but you know Florida was coming off of the week of them beating Toronto, so mm -hmm. uh, just based off that recent result, we were expecting, or I was expecting Florida to be able to beat the Gorillas here, and that's what they did. Um, I think we mentioned it in the Dallas versus Gorillas one last week where we thought maybe uh, Gorillas could win the searches off of yeah, Dallas to win that match. Obviously, that's not what happened there. And in this case, Florida also won the search against Gorillas. The only map the Gorillas won was Garrison Control 3-0. Um, I actually think that was a really quick one. They might have even won two offenses, if I'm remembering correctly. I could be wrong on that, but uh, it was a really quick control. But other than that, uh, Florida, the, the hard points were close. Moscow hard point was 250-235, and Raid was 250-216. I think Florida had like a big lead on Raid, and then... Uh, Gorillas put together like a late charge, but Florida was able to close things out. But um, regardless, this is at least for me the expected result. Yeah, in, in this Atlanta Thieves series, I mean, I I don't know. Like, what what can you really say about the Thieves at this point? Um, I need. I mean, I don't think a lot of people were expecting them to necessarily win this match because it is phase, and I mean that's. That's the biggest talking point here is just that Faze are absolutely disgusting at Call of Duty. But the Thieves, this is it, this wouldn't be nearly as big a result if they hadn't lost to Paris earlier in the week. Because losing to Paris on top of losing to Faze gives you two losses in the group. And I believe that they don't have particularly easy matches still to, uh, still to go. Um... Let me look real quick. So they play Minnesota and they play Optic in the last week. Those are, I mean, that's different if you're playing like, you know, Surge in Paris and you're one and two going into the final week. So, I, I mean, it's just, it's just, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they made the move to put TJ back in and it hasn't paid immediate dividends. And what do you, what do you think? Do you think there's something to worry about from that aspect that they are one and two in group play now? Uh, with TJ? I think, you know, heading into this group, um, I believe I said it 
for both groups because we weren't really expecting Florida to be necessarily in this position where they're, they're already three and one. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, I think when we were talking about the groups for stage four, um, in my head, it was like clear cut group A phase and optic should be those top two teams in group A. Yeah. Group B, I had like Toronto and Subliners as the top two teams in group B. But then like that third spot in each group was kind of up in the air to me. And um, I, I think I gave like Florida the edge just because, you know, we had Dallas making the change and Gorilla and London necessarily didn't look the best, even though Gorilla's had those close series uh, that didn't go their way in game five. But regardless, uh, in group A, it was kind of in my head between the Thieves and Rocker. And um, with them making this change now for TJ going back in for Hook um, and their current situation, they're, they're going to have to beat they're not going up against two last place teams. Like you said, they're going to have to beat uh, two potential winner's bracket teams in their group if they themselves want to get into the winner's bracket. So it's definitely a huge week for them where they're going to have to show everybody what they're capable of if this was the right move or not. Um, and, you know, if they go 0-2 this week, it, it could be catastrophic. I, I don't really know where they would go from there. Uh, I don't think we would necessarily see them go back to Hook. That would just... <laughs> be a mess from yeah. like a PR standpoint in my opinion. So I, I don't really know. Um well, well I don't really know what direction they're gonna go in. Obviously uh the match against FaZe was just a stomp. Like you said, the thing that stuck out to me the most was the six L on raid search. Uh phases look good in search since adding Tupac, but um that was just, you know, six O's are fun for an S and D guy like <laughs> me. Uh so that that, that was just brutal but uh yeah i i guess like you said not nothing crazy like i don't think many people would have expected the thieves to be uh phase in this match maybe some people might have expected it to be a little bit more competitive um but regardless they're, they're in the situation now where they're one and two they gotta beat you know two good teams if they want to like control their own destiny in a sense and you know have to give themselves the best shot to be in winners bracket. Like even if they go one and one, there would have to be some tiebreaker scenarios and such mm-hmm. that um would have to you know out they would need that outside help to get into a winners bracket spot for the land. But otherwise, they're they're kind of it's looking like the thieves might start to, from the losers bracket at the first land in over a year. And um you know we did see them go on that miracle run in stage two major. So something else. Something like that could happen, but uh, you can't really bank on that. So, gonna have to keep our eyes on the thieves moving forward. And the final match of the the week was New York versus Dallas. Uh, you know, a few months ago, Dallas seemed to have New York's number. They uh, beat them, I believe, in a reverse sweep in the first meeting in the stage one major, or the I mean, I believe that was stage one group play. Uh, either way, they I think Dallas won the first two or three matchups between these teams. Obviously, a lot has changed since then, not only the rosters, but just how well they've been performing. New York, uh, we talked about it last week. We talked a little bit about it this week, but they look to be one of the best teams in the league at this point. And Dallas, despite a uh, pretty uh, pretty dominant win earlier in the week, uh, this is not the same Dallas that we saw in Stage 1 when they were going up against FaZe. Uh, or even stage two when I believe they got fourth at the major. Uh, but 
they really gave New York all they could handle. Uh, they nearly take this one, but they fall in uh, five games. So a 3-2 win for New York. Uh, what are your takeaways uh, from the final game of week two? I think it was closer than a lot of people expected, mm-hmm. um, just just based on recent performances. Um, I, I don't think many people would have expected it to be uh, this close, but it's a similar, it, it kind of mirrors New York's um, other matchup against Florida in this week. They, they go down 1-2, and they, they win the last two maps to clutch up and I think now that uh now that I'm thinking about it I think I was seeing stuff on Twitter and maybe even the broadcast they mentioned guys like Hydra being sick uh maybe even Clay was sick I can't really remember but um and we talked about on the last week the visa situation uh with ASIM even though that obviously doesn't affect his online play uh there, there could be some small stuff going on behind the scenes that might have affected New York in some way. Obviously, it's impossible for us to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, they, they still get the job done, and they get a 3-2 win, but it was definitely closer than uh, some people might have expected. Um, but it, it's a good sign in this match, unlike the Florida match, uh, New York gets back to winning their hard points. Uh, obviously, they won one hard point against Florida in both searches, but in this one, they win two hard points and game five search. So uh, that was interesting, but, you know, looking at the matches, the map scores, they were all close maps. Um, so I guess that's something we can take away. If you, you combine, even though Dallas loses this one, um, you take these close maps and their win over LAG it could be uh, signs of Dallas turning a corner. Uh, I know there was memes on Twitter too of like buzz cut Shotzi or whatever. So maybe MVP Shotzi's coming back. I don't really know, but um, definitely we're gonna have to see how Dallas continues to improve. I think they only have one match uh, this final week, and I believe it's against Florida. Let me look real quick. Uh, yeah, they they just have one match left in Group Four stage or Stage Four group play. Uh, and it's on Saturday against Florida, so that'll be an interesting match. Uh, we would also, you know, we should mention how well Mac played in this because in the series he became the, uh, this was the sixth time a player has dropped uh, 20,000 or more damage in a series this yeah. season. So Crone uh, tweeted it. Um, he had a nice little graphic. So um, obviously Mac was the sixth player to do it. He had 21,111 damage over five maps. And Clayster apparently, of the six times, he's done it three. So, uh, I mean, he may be 40, but Gunny 18, as he would like to say. Uh, <laughs> um, just an incredible series. You dropped 40 in both hard points. So 80 total hard point kills for Mac in this series, which... Honestly, like his performance is basically the difference between a win and a loss. Like, had he played even you know average, like there's a very good chance that Dallas comes out of you know either one of those with a win, considering they're within 40 points of of both games. Um, Asim also had 37 kills in the in the second hard point. So just an incredible performance from Mac, which is um, you know even more incredible considering. He, at one time, you know, not too long ago, was being reported as being benched for uh, sibilance, right? Like, they were thinking of 
bringing in uh, Sib into the lineup and and benching him or you know sending him to the academy team or whatever. So uh, just an incredible performance for him. Uh, super super excited because he did struggle early on in the season and uh, maybe Hydra coming in the lineup really just helped him find his groove. Real, well, real quick, I think we'll be able to talk about it uh, more when we get to our preview for the major, but um, we still haven't really seen Mac play on LAN in the Pro League, right? Mm -hmm. Since he was added by New York uh, post-COVID last year when he uh, or when the league transitioned to online play, uh, his entire professional career has been in online. So um, I'm not saying that he's necessarily going to do bad online or anything like that, um, but there's definitely the idea within the community that not him necessarily, but just some people in general who we haven't seen online might not perform as well as they have online. So mm -hmm. that's going to be a major storyline. Uh, heading into the major, but we can talk about that more uh, at that time. Yep, I believe Slack called him out last season because that was oh the, yeah that was the big uh, the big jump off point. Um, so let's talk about these uh, ten matches this week. Um, we've gotten to see uh, some of these teams with their new rosters. That was one of my biggest complaints about previewing week one is that we have absolutely no idea how you know eighty percent of these teams will play with their different rosters but now we've seen at least three matches from every single team in the league uh, four matches in some of these teams cases uh, so they go into the final week this will determine stage four major uh, uh, seeding so for the top three teams in each group they will go into the winners bracket and the bottom three uh, teams from each group they will begin in the losers bracket uh, and obviously the major is on land, so that's even uh, even better reason to just get another win under your belt. You can have a little bit of an advantage, and if you're really confident that you know, like teams are filled with warriors and your team's not, then um, you know maybe start in the winners bracket. You don't have to deal with all the the screwery that will be in the losers bracket. Um, so let's start on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, what are you saying? I was just going to say real quick, um, I think regardless of that advantage in the winner's bracket, just getting you know top three in your group is more of an incentive this time because it's the first LAN in over a year. Mm -hmm. That means you're like, if you're starting, if you finish in the bottom three, you there's a possibility where you only get to play one match on LAN, right? Like mm -hmm. by being in the top three, you're guaranteeing you play at least two. Yeah. So I'm I'm I know that's minuscule, but you know it's still more land practice on this game, which could be important for those bigger tournaments down the stretch. All I want to say. Yeah, and I I mean I don't know if they played on PCs on land last year for the CDL, but this is the first uh, Call of Duty title that has been played. Uh, you know, pretty much every pro is on their PC now. They're not on PS4, PS5, Xbox, or whatever. So. Uh, yeah. I don't know if there, you know, you never know what kind of issues there will be with a LAN event, uh, even with like a closed set where there won't be fans and everything. Um, you know, I just, I just think about UMG South Carolina in uh, what was that Black Ops Three, where everybody figured out that Bluetooth was actually a big problem for Call of Duty. Uh, so uh, hopefully nothing like that happens, but uh, you never know. Um, let's start off with Toronto versus uh, so. 
the first two matches of the week, Toronto versus LAG and Optic Chicago versus the Seattle Surge. Um, at least for me, I mean, this is pretty straightforward, LAG and Optic. So uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't think we really have to spend too much time on this. Uh, <laughs> I'm obviously going Toronto and Optic, but... There we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen if I could slip it by you. Um, yeah, so I, I don't I, think... You almost did. <laughs> there's not too much to disagree with just because... I mean, why would you pick Seattle at this point? Ten straight losses, Optic. Maybe at their very, very worst this season, you could say at least there's a shot for Seattle. There's an opening there. But Optic seems to have turned a corner since they were struggling. And Toronto looks to be one of the best teams. And uh, despite, um, you know, despite what I may think, the Gorillas just haven't, you know, even... At their best, they haven't looked like they can beat a team like Toronto, uh, at least consistently. Obviously, anything can happen, you know, once. And there's a there's a shot that the Gorillas pull off like a Logan Paul upset over Floyd or something. But there's really not um, a very likely chance that happens. So, uh, yeah, uh, those two matches. And then we have two more on Friday. The Subliners versus the Royal Ravens and the Los Angeles Thieves versus the Minnesota Rocker. I mean, that Subliners-Ravens match, like, there's not really a whole lot to talk about considering New York is currently the first seed in Group B and London, I believe, is tied for last in Group B. Um, but that, that Thieves versus Rocker match, uh, we talked about a little bit about it earlier, but this could be the decider uh, for who finishes third and who finishes fourth in this group. So who do you got? Um, I think it should at least worth noticing or mentioning for New York, London, that London was the only team to beat New York in stage three group play. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a pretty big upset. Obviously, it's a different London team now. And I, for that match, I would have predicted New York. And for this one, I'm going to predict New York. But it's definitely something to just keep in the very deep back of your mind. Uh, there might be some upset potential here. But I think New York should be able to uh, beat London. But yeah, the Thieves, Minnesota is going to be a big one. Uh, Minnesota right now, 2-1. and one, Thieves at 1-2. and two. So uh, if the Thieves win, they'll be tied at 2-2. Two and two. Both teams will be 2-2, two and two, and the Thieves would have that tiebreaker, which would be huge. But obviously, if Minnesota wins, they would just be 3-1. and one. Uh, Thieves would be 1-3, and three, and it would kind of, you know, almost, you know, well, probably wouldn't be 100% locked in, but uh, would be, you know, probably like 90% locking in Minnesota for a winner's bracket spot. So it's definitely a big match. I'm going to go with Minnesota just based off recent performances. Um, but obviously this is one I could see go either way. Um, and I will definitely be excited to watch it regardless of what happens. But yeah, I'll just, I'll pick Minnesota. I believe that if Minnesota wins this match and then it would take, uh, you know, if Optic I somehow lost to Seattle, that would be the opening that the Thieves would need. Uh, because if Optic and Minnesota win, then the top three will be Atlanta, Optic, and Minnesota in some fashion because they'll all have at least three wins, and that would uh, lock out the Thieves, Paris, and Seattle, which is the most likely scenario, uh, at least in my mind. Uh, I'll go with Minnesota here. Uh, I'm not too convinced that benching Hook was the right idea. I mean, I, I, 
I can't really say that like J-Cap or the team as a whole were wrong for it because, I mean, that's an internal decision based on practice results and the teamwork that they saw within their uh, within their team. But as an outsider and someone who, you know, thought that this was a, you know, the Hook acquisition was a long-term decision and one that regardless of immediate results, would they would stick with it because it was a long-term decision. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they should have made it, but at this point, I still think that Minnesota, uh, I think it'll be close. I, I really could see this going to a game five and, oh, yeah. um, when it gets to game five, you never know. I, I think that Paris, uh, can and will pull it out. Uh, so, but it should be a really interesting Paris. matchup or not Paris, uh, Minnesota. <laughs> I just got Paris on the brain. Sorry. Um, Paris is winning champs. Paris is winning champs. Uh, so let's go to these three matches on Saturday. The LA Gorillas versus the London Royal Ravens. The Atlanta Faze versus the Minnesota Rocker. And the Dallas Empire versus the Florida Mutineers. Uh, so the first match of the week, uh, or first match of the day, excuse me, are two of the bottom four teams in the league, uh, Gorillas and the Ravens. If uh, Toronto beat the Gorillas and the Subliners beat the Ravens, I believe that they'll both enter this match at 0-4. So somebody will definitely be getting a win here in Stage 4 group play. Uh, who do you think that is? Do you think it's Gorillas or Ravens here? Goes against every being in my belief to say this, but just based on knowing you're going to pick the Gorillas, I will pick London. Um I, I think Gorillas should win this matchup, um, and they probably will, but for the pod to be different, I will pick London. Yeah, so I'll go with the London. No, I, I, I'm, I kid. I'll go with the, the Gorillas. Um, you know, it, it would not feel right if I went against the Gorillas, but... Um, yeah, you can't <laughs> ever again. <laughs> yeah, even if they're facing FaZe or something and they're... 0-4 in group play and phases 4-0. and 0. I, I still it can't phase in group play. Exactly. Uh, so that's why I can't go against them. Uh, yeah, so I'll go that's with the Gorillas. That's when this all started. <laughs> uh, I just, man, I regret. I regret everything that's happened because it's it's made my life more difficult. You know, this turned in, this was a, uh, originally a meme and then I actually started to care what happened to the Gorillas when they played and it's actually made my life more difficult and uh, filled with heartbreak. So, yeah. Uh, like being a Browns fan. Hey, I, I lived with that. But this year or this past season, I exercised all of my demons, and I'm a very positive Browns fan now. I'm a very negative person in general, but I'm a very positive Browns fan. And I'm a very negative Los Angeles Gorillas fan, but I believe that they will win on Saturday, June 12th, against the London Royal Ravens. Um, lock it in. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a stone cold lock. Um, yeah, man, I I really don't want to watch this match now. Um, Atlanta Phase versus the Minnesota Rocker is up next. Uh, so if Minnesota does indeed beat the Thieves or, um, the day prior, then you uh, there's a a chance I guess that Minnesota would be competing for maybe first place depending on how the tiebreakers shake up uh, because optic also has one loss and uh 
I mean, Minnesota does have the loss against Optics, so it would it would come down to um, like total map count between those three teams. So a win here would be huge. Obviously, if Minnesota loses, then they would still like to win and get that second win of the group stage. Uh, what do you think, Atlanta versus Minnesota? I think this is more interesting now thinking about the Thieves-Minnesota matchup because if the Thieves beat Minnesota, then Minnesota is going is will be two and two going into this tough matchup against FaZe. Yeah. Then there's a situation where they lose the FaZe, they're two and three, and it's just tiebreaker heaven for that third spot, right? So mm-hmm. uh, that, this makes things more interesting for that matchup. I think FaZe should be able to win this one. Uh, definitely picking FaZe, but uh, yeah, I think this just now knowing that Minnesota has to play FaZe to end the uh, group play, uh, that puts even more pressure on them to perform against the Thieves earlier in the week. Yeah, I'll go with Atlanta as well, but like you said, this this match, regardless of the result, between the Thieves and Rocker on Friday, it's going to be interesting because the, I mean, that's what makes week three in every stage interesting because there's always some kind of situation in regards to tiebreakers or just overall standings um, because, man, if Minnesota can pick up a win against the Thieves and then, then it's really like there's nothing to lose. Like at, at minimum, you will have that third seed in your group and you've you've locked up your winner's bracket spot if it comes down to the Atlanta match then you're just like all right like let's go and try to beat them like if we beat them then we really could get first seed in this entire group uh, I think it'll be really interesting regardless of the outcome but yeah I, I think Atlanta it's just really hard to pick against them at this point where they're just stomping everybody so uh, yeah Atlanta uh, I'll say 3-1 in this uh, and then the final match of Saturday, Dallas versus Florida. Uh, you know, before Dallas's close call with New York and uh, their 3-0 win over who was it? The who was who they just won 3-0 over? They won it Your over. Boys. Oh yeah, Gorillas. I try to block out those memories. They're not very good for me. Um, but uh, Dallas, uh, they before those matches, you wouldn't you wouldn't really think anything of this match um, especially with how well Florida has been playing but Florida's coming off a loss uh, to or they're coming off a win excuse me I don't think I can talk anymore yeah so they beat Los Angeles Gorillas so that's interesting they they both lost both to New York and they both beat yep. Gorillas that uh, last week so it should be interesting what do you think of Florida versus Dallas I think you hit the nail on the head. In my mind, I'm still picking Florida to win this one, but just based off of that performance for Dallas against New York, this should be uh, closer than I would have initially expected. So, um, you know, if Buzzcut Shotzi goes, you know, nuclear MVP form uh, and Big Wake isn't doing Big Wake things, then, you know, maybe Dallas comes away with the win. Um, But outside of that, I... I'm going to lean Florida here. I'm going to go with Dallas on this one. I think that it's a really close call for for this matchup just because yeah. it's more of a momentum thing and that Florida, if they were coming in off of, say, three or four consecutive wins, yeah, I would say Florida has the confidence. They, 
Uh, maybe they would lose just because they're like trying to try out things or something like that. But in this case, I think Dallas, they've, they've maybe found something with Vivid because it's really hard to judge a team after, you know, even one or two matches considering they've had limited practice and obviously limited uh, official match experience. So maybe a, a match against New York, even if it's a loss, really helps them and helps them grow as a team. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting, but uh, I think Dallas comes out of this with a win, but I'm excited to see uh, regardless of the outcome. And uh, let's yep. move on to the final day. Paris versus Seattle, New York versus Toronto, and Optic versus the Los Angeles Thieves. Um, let's start with the least interesting matchup, in my opinion, the Paris Legion versus the Seattle Surge. Um, I mean, neither of these teams are going to be in the winner's bracket of the Stage 4 Major. But, you know, if they if they have any shot of getting out of the bottom four, uh, this is a match that you want to win just for the extra CDL points. So between the Legion and Surge, who do you have? If Paris wins this match, they'll be two and three. So there could be some tiebreaker scenario where two and three Paris somehow gets the third seed. I don't know. That's obviously you have to do the math and crunch the numbers to figure it out. But it's possible. And Seattle technically could too because they're zero and three, and they had them. They play against Optic and Paris. So if Seattle beats Optic and Paris, there there has to be some potential way for them to get into the winner's bracket. So it's not completely chalked, but it's looking like it's chalked. Regardless, I think Paris wins this one. Uh, just, you know, Seattle's struggling too much, and um, I, as, as I, I don't even really know what to say. I, I just think uh, it's, it's not like the Gorillas and London where they're both winless. We just saw Paris take down these which is in the middle of the pack team right now uh so that that's like could be a confidence booster for them to help them you know uh get a win here over a not middle of the pack team so uh i'm gonna pick paris to win this one maybe seattle pulls off uh a surprising win shocks a couple people it would definitely be good for the seattle camp to finally you know end that losing streak but uh not really sure if it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to go with Paris. I mean, I'm not going to pick Seattle until they can win control, uh, yeah, at least once. Uh, but, you know, the, it, it could happen, but I just don't see it happening. But Paris is, uh, of all teams, like a good opportunity for Seattle. Um, Paris is still trying to figure out things of their own with their roster, with Temp and Zaptius. But, man, it's, it's going to be difficult just... Uh, I mean, at this point, it's m maybe more of a mental thing of, you know, what do, like what can we do with this roster? What can we do with this organization just because we've tried different rosters, you know, within this season, within last season, and things just haven't been working out. Uh, it's going to be interesting for Seattle, and I, I pray for all of those Surge fans that they're, they're like the old Browns fans. They have to deal with mediocrity and and just misery every every weekend. So, uh, you know, condolences. Shout out Tom in the chat. He, he he's picking Seattle three zero here. Uh, I don't know about that, but okay. Um, <laughs> big big Teddy Rex fan in the chat apparently. Uh, New York Subliners versus the Toronto Ultra. Not even... Oh, is he? Isn't he still with them? I don't think so. 
Oh, well, I, I don't really know what to say then. Uh, <laughs> Subliners versus Ultra. This is uh, obviously a really big match. Uh, you would suspect that the two of these these two teams are some of the best in the entire league, and it really will decide uh, most likely who gets that top spot in the group. Um, obviously, tiebreakers. Uh, are still a factor and Florida can tie with them which will cause some chaos if Toronto ends up uh, winning this match in their previous match and New York uh, finishes four and one as well uh, you know so who do you think has uh, who do you think comes out on top here subliners or ultra I'm gonna default to let you go first on this one I think I think in my mind this is gonna be the match of the week I think unlike last week there's uh, some really good matches on the schedule that, you know, will deliver uh, intense moments. But I still think this is the matchup of the week, and I could see it going either way, so I'll let you go first. And then I will make the case for the other team to win. <laughs> All right, I think that the subliners will come out on top here. Um, I, I just have a feeling about this. Like, I don't really... I think that they're maybe the two most evenly matched teams out of... The, like out of two teams in the league at this point because FaZe is kind of pulled away from the rest of the pack at least a little bit and I don't really know about Optic in terms of matching up with either of these two teams so I'd say that New York and Toronto are very evenly matched and it should be interesting when it comes down to the respawns because New York has been lights out in respawn for you know about a month and a half at this point and Toronto, they're able to really pick up wins in any game mode at any given time. But I just think New York will come out on top, maybe win 3-1. Yeah, so uh, your prediction aside, I was, I'm was leaning towards New York to take this one. I think this goes game five either way. Um, and uh, I think New York will take it. But, um, you know, j just based off what we've seen recently... Uh, the, the recipe for success for Toronto, at least when they were going on uh, that, that, that major spree and their dominance in stage three group play was they were really solid in search. And then uh, recently in group play, um, stage four group play, and even at the stage three major, their search wasn't as dominant as it was when they were going on that streak of winning on like 33 straight. Or it was their first SD loss in 30 days plus or whatever it was. Um, so regardless, um, the the search hasn't been as good when it was, you know, their their recipe for success, and they were really really strong in search earlier in the season. Whereas we've just seen recently with New York last week, they were able to get the job done against two, you know, I would consider Dallas and Florida both middle of the pack teams right now. Uh, probably Dallas a little lower since the vivid change, but regardless, you know, they they have a lot of CDL points, room for mm -hmm. experimentation, however you want to put it. Um, uh, we saw New York get two, three, two wins against those teams where they were down one, two, and they did it in different ways where they won both. It was both searches. They won against Florida and then it was both hard points in game five. They won against Dallas. So, um, I guess that's more making the case for New York, but I just wanted to bring that up where my head is at, um, with that but I think you know like I was just bringing up if Toronto wants to win this one it's going to come down to that game five search 
Um, if they're able to steal a hard point off New York, that would obviously be huge. Um, but in my head, um, for the sake of this prediction at least, uh, Toronto's road to success is going to be most likely the two searches in control. Um, either way, uh, like I mentioned before that, I think New York will probably get the job done for the pot. I'll go with Toronto. Um, either way, I think this is going to be a really good match and definitely should be uh, the most interesting matchup of this week. So that concludes our preview of Stage nope. 4 Week 3. Um yeah, I mean, let, let's talk not. about let's talk about these other two topics real quick. Uh, just some kind of you're lying. You oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I completely blanked on this last match, the HBR Classic. Um, I was actually thinking about it as you were talking, and then once you got done talking, I was like, oh yeah, we just talked about Optic Thieves. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so what do you think of this Optic versus the Thieves? Obviously, a little bit different than the last time they met. Um, I believe that they met sometime during stage three group play. It doesn't feel like that long ago that they, that they played each other. Either way, Optic has, um, you know, they're not in their slump anymore. And for the Thieves, they're, I, I don't know if you consider them in a slump, but, uh, they're, you know, still kind of figuring out how to work with this roster because they've, you know, moved things around in the last month and a half. Uh, so Optic versus Thieves, who do you have? Just, just real quick, uh, uh, you said it before, and it cracked me up every time, but the HBR Classic, you didn't get that anywhere else. You you came up with that yourself, right? No, uh, that is a Preston Buyers original, trademark pending. Okay, yeah, I think we have to get that trademark, yeah, because <laughs> we got to get that trending and stuff, because that's gold. Um, re regardless, um, I think that this is an, obviously it's an important match, um, regardless of what happens with the Thieves Rocker series earlier in the week, this is going to be uh, a defining match for, you know, it's the last match of group play, so it's going to be important for final standing implications. But either way, it's an important match. Um, it's worth noting that this was the match we last saw the TJ Halley 100 Thieves team or LA Thieves team play with that TJ Halley roster before they added Hook, and mm -hmm. now we're going to get to see it again with TJ Halley back in the lineup, and the Thieves did win that matchup against Chicago back in Stage 3 group play. Um, so they, they've done it before, uh, but I'm still going to think uh, I'll pick Optic to win this one. It wouldn't make sense um, for me to pick the Thieves over Optic if I think Minnesota is going to beat the Thieves, so... Uh, Optic should win this iteration of the HBR Classic, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Optic wins this as well. Um, I mean, I also think that, uh, I mean, even if the Thieves beat Minnesota, I don't think Minnesota is better than Optic, so, you know, that win doesn't necessarily mean that they would, you know, come out on top against Optic, and I think Optic's just a much more improved team. They, I think they came out... Uh, you know better than before you know as a as a team like in terms of teamwork and just like you know they were in a very tough spot uh, coming to stage three major and there was a a good shot that that like a bad performance there could you know really hurt the team for the rest of the season because getting you know like we talked about it before but getting 10th place and losing to the Gorillas, who at that time were maybe like 
10th or 11th in the league. Uh, you know, that's obviously not what a very successful team usually does. And uh, a lot of those teams or a lot of those players on the opti- uh, team are used to a lot of success. And uh, it would just be uncharacteristic to see them have such a bad performance. But they came out and they had a, a really good run at the stage three major. They've looked uh, good outside of that phase match in the in stage four group play so uh and i don't think there's a reason to pick the thieves coming into this match so yeah i'll say optic wins this um this edition of the hbr classic i don't know how you trademark things but yeah uh the the only thing i could see happening potentially is if the thieves come out and just like dominate manhandle the minnesota uh, somehow, and they're just like really hot and riding the momentum from that win into Optic. Maybe they're able to pull this off, uh, but outside of that, I, I think Optic should be able to handle business. Yeah, there's a very real chance that Optic is coming in off of a win, and the Thieves are coming in off of a loss. And you know, m- momentum is, I guess, just what you make of it. If you believe there is momentum in Call of Duty, then you think that'll have an effect or not. Um, but yeah. So that does it for uh, stage four. So that's actually, you know, we're done with stage four group play matches. Uh, we'll obviously talk about those uh, match results next week, and uh, we'll preview the the stage five ma- or the stage four major as well. Uh, but before we head out, let's talk about these uh, last two topics. Um, I mean, they're they're topics, I guess. They're just kind of Twitter banter and uh, you know, just kind of stuff to talk about here. Uh, so it was the the first one is the Crim Six formal beef or I mean it, it's more just like I don't know, I don't know if this is actually beef but just kind of entertainment uh, on a Tuesday afternoon in the Call of Duty world. Um, so Dixerito put out a tweet uh, and this is from I'm assuming like the Optic podcast uh, where they ask the question who do you wish you dropped but Not never video. Yeah, is who who do you wish you dropped but never did? And uh, formal said Krim, uh, and Krim never won to not respond to things. He tweeted, "Plot twist: I get dropped during the year I join MV in place of Jcap. Krim sucks, still wins champs. Hold that Jack Black. Um, just just the just a classic Krim tweet, and just a lot of banter back and forth. And uh, formal basically." Um, just came back at him about uh, like his previous performance at champs and everything and Krim called him out and said that formal didn't split his uh, his champs MVP payment so I guess you get a bonus if you win champs MVP and formal did so when optic won champs I believe in 2017 in IW and um, so Krim called him out and said he he didn't split it with his teammates this despite saying he did and it was just kind of, uh, it was just kind of beef. What did, what did you make of this? Because I saw that you were putting it in our group chat earlier. Just, I think, like you said, I, I don't know how serious they were being or uh, how much you want to take away from it, but um, it was definitely entertainment on the timeline for a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, just, so the, the video was from just Optic did like a truth pong 
uh, game. So, like, the idea behind Truth Pong or people who didn't see the video is that you play, you know, like beer pong or water pong, whatever cup pong you call it. Um, and there's, like, a question under the cup. If the other team hits um, hits the cup, uh, you have to either you answer the question under the cup. If you don't answer it, the cup gets taken out like regular. But if you do answer the cup, the cup gets to stay on the table and the other team has to hit it again. Uh, so it's it's just a fun game, and th there were some there. Were, I watched the the whole optic video there. There were some pretty funny questions uh, throughout it, but this was obviously uh, just uh, super entertaining one for the community, just because like uh, formal answered like almost at the drop of a hat. He was just like crim bo three, and <laughs> it was just like oh snap. Um, so it was definitely just an interesting um, for the champs thing. I think that was only something that happened. Um, in IW, I I believe there was just like a like incentive for winning MVP of IW champs that they like um, made a part of the prize pool. I can't really remember off the top of my head, um, but I do remember at that time that some people were saying that like if if my, our team wins not, or if you win MVP, like we'll we'll split it as a team four ways. Uh, I know it was at least talked about at that time i don't really remember because it, it was a while ago but uh yeah so it, it, it's interesting that that's how that worked out um i don't really know for a team game like this i feel like it it kind of makes sense on one end to split it but at the same time i mean if if you're like formals champs performance in iw is like legendary like people like consider that like peak formal almost to an extent so like um, if you're frying like that, I don't really know uh, if you have an incentive to split it other than being a good guy, if you agreed to it, whatever the situation might have been. Um, but what, what, would, what would you do in that situation? If, if you're part of the KC Armadillos, we win champs, and you get named MVP, you splitting it with the boys, or you, you pocketing that shit yourself? Well, if I'm on the Armadillos team, I'm teaming with a bunch of CEOs. They don't need any extra money, so I'll take that. I mean, I, I'm probably teaming with Jim, who flew us in on the private, and, uh, you know, you and uh, maybe maybe I'll split it with Goach if he's on the team, and because we're, we're two, young, two young lads trying to pay off our college debt, and uh, he might actually need the money, but, I mean, he's about to be, like, on the Olympic team or something like that, so he don't really need the money either. So maybe I keep it for myself. I don't know. I I just thought it was interesting. I I looked it up and it says that yeah, for sure. this is on Gamepedia, and uh, it says that an additional twenty five thousand dollars went to the MVP of the tournament. Oh, I, and I couldn't that. I couldn't find it on any of the other champs pages on Gamepedia. So yeah, maybe it was just for this event, which just seems super odd. Um, you know, I I think if if you say that you're going to do it and that's what Krim is uh, seeming to indicate, he said that he doesn't really care about money, but that he just was like kind of mind blown that formal said he was going to split it with the teammates if he did. And then he ended up not doing it allegedly. I mean, formal didn't like, didn't deny that or anything. He just said, LMAO, that's your response. You should just be happy you got a free ring for literally doing mad the whole tournament. So, I mean, just, uh, just, just banter between old teammates. Nothing to see here. Uh, would you split it if you were on the Armadillos? So what I'm saying is, if if I 
at champs and I drop like a 1.5 at champs and like you, Trem, and Jim are dropping point fives, and I just absolutely hard carried, like I'm keeping that. But like the thing that uh, reminds me is like United champs, like some people made a case for like should a BZ have won MVP over Simp and you know Simp a BZ. There, there was like some debate where like you could have seen either of them winning MVP of champs. And we don't think there was any prize money involved in that one. But if there was a situation like that where, like, me and you were, like, you know, uh, neck and neck in stats and it could have gone either way for MVP, I probably would be more enticed to, like, you know, split it with all the boys if, if I wasn't absolutely putting the team on my back. <laughs> uh, but obviously we're never going to have to find out because I don't think there's ever a situation where that happens for us. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Jim will buy in put the – 30 million down and get the armadillos in. I mean, Kansas City has a, uh, has an open slot. There's no team there right now, so we could get the Bud Light Gaming House and KC and and really really do it up in the league. I mean, maybe we'll win more controls than Seattle. You never know. Uh, we might win four. Or ah, dude, our control is bad <laughs> in the youngest Jim Cod league, though. Yeah, you guys are actually. <laughs> it was real bad. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I watched maybe a handful of matches and i was like damn like at least when jim was in his his league last season and they completely choked in the finals like at least they got to the finals there there was not a lot of not a lot of good vibes going around in the armadillo's team chat this season so i mean but you you guys didn't have me so i mean i'm i'm cool calm and collected i'll get you guys into into grand finals every now and then so yeah um let's uh, let's talk about this one thing uh before we go uh aches just kind of put out a i mean this is just like classic aches putting out a statement and then saying change my mind when i don't think anyone can ever change aches mind on anything so he just he said league a league slash seating matches were the worst thing to ever happen to cod change my mind do you agree with that statement yeah, he put out this a while ago, but I was just oh, thinking yeah. of it um, in the sense that I've seen um, other people just mention that some of these, like like the league online league play matches, have just like I don't want to say they've been dull, but like they've just not been as exciting. Obviously, it's it's tough to compare like an, an online group play match to like the grand finals of a LAN event, right? Like that's just two yeah. completely different things. Um, but for me, like, I kind of just agree with the idea that uh, just for casual fans, it might not be as enticing to turn into just these random regular season matchups. Like, um, that that's never, it, it's been a part of COD, but it, it's, you know, it's always been about those land tournaments. That's always been the most important thing. Um, so, like, you know, I, I've... Aside from this Saturday when I went to the Yankees game, which might have been the first time I didn't watch the live matches for COD in years, uh, I watch every single match every single day. And obviously I am on just like one extreme end of that spectrum. Yeah. But, you know, for a casual fan, like I, I feel like some of these matches, like there, there's no reason for them to really tune in. Like, I mean, let me just look. I mean... This Sunday, Paris versus Seattle. Like nobody's yeah. really gonna wanna tune in to that match unless you you know 
someone like me who's a hardcore fan or, you know, for work reasons, whatever. Or if you're a, a fan of each franchise, maybe you're turn, tuning in. But outside of that, like a casual fan isn't going to be as enticed to turn into a match like that. So um, I was just bringing up that ache tweet because that's what I was thinking that um, it might be something we have to, you know, we, we look at uh, moving forward with the CDL is if there's a way to, you know, get back to our roots. Obviously, it'll be exciting when we see uh, the stage four major back on land, but um, maybe there's a world where, you know, in like 2011, it's just, it jumps out to me because obviously that was one of my favorite years, but like uh, the, the MLG circuit for that year was five land events and a national championship at the end. It wasn't champs yet. Um, is that a route that the CDO wants to go down? Probably not because, you know, like all these other professional sports and stuff, there's a regular season and then your postseason, and uh, you could argue about what you want to do with the, the regular season schedule here, but um, I think there's there's going to be a way for uh, the CDL to want to just continue to have these regular season matches. Um, but it, it could come down to a situation where the owners or even the players just like want to look at a different schedule or uh, format. I, I'm not really sure what that looks like or anything like that, but it's just, it's just a talking point that um, I was thinking about and we're going to have to keep our eyes on it. Yeah, I would say that you're definitely on the, the, the very extreme end of a yeah. fan because just even outside of esports you watch every single yankees game so you watch 162 regular season baseball games plus playoffs so let's say you watch 175 mlb games and that's just including the yankees like you might turn on another baseball game throughout the year yeah. so i mean that's that's very extreme like i i i'm not a baseball fan so i can't really relate to that but even in basketball, when the Cavs were at their peak and, like, like you know, LeBron basically was keeping that entire city on his back from just, like, complete irrelevance. Like, I never watched 82 Cleveland Cavaliers regular season games. Because, it's just, like, I would agree that, like, seeding or regular season tournaments are, to an extent, boring. Or, you know, uh, sometimes they lack enticing matchups. But you could say that the same thing about some of those group play events where you would have tainted minds and vitality in a group. Nobody's watching that match. Like, like I know there, yeah, there are 20,000, 30,000 people. That's, those are the 20,000, 30,000 people that tune into those Paris versus Seattle matches. It's just, I think that, you know, we're in a, you know, online, it's completely different because do I think that they would have done the exact same format this season if they had the ability to do LAN events? No, because I think they would have went for more traditional like tournaments. They would have done maybe what they did last year where you have those home series events and you, I mean, obviously it would be a little bit different. So maybe you could do online seeding one week and then the next week you do a double elimination tournament and then you take a week off, you do another, and then you keep repeating it, which probably would have been the way to go because that would have n not mirrored what they did last season, but it would have been similar, and that would have added in uh, like an extra extra bit of games or something like that. 
I just, I mean, I, I think anytime people completely say, like, you know, one way or the other, that this is, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened to COD. It's like, no, the worst thing to ever happen to COD was going to MLG.TV, and you can't really convince me otherwise. So, like, I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's the worst thing to ever happen to Call of Duty Esports. But, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not the most interesting, but at the same time, there's, there's not always going to be interesting matchups in Call of Duty. You're always going to have, you know, bad teams or teams that literally just don't draw interest. You know, Enigma 6 at one time was a really good team. It didn't mean that they brought in a ton of viewers when they were playing their matches because, you know, the the teams that actually bring in a lot of viewers are, the you know, the, the same teams that do it now are the same teams that have done it basically for the last like five years or 10 years or whatever, Optic, Phase, Envy, uh, now 100 Thieves, you know, etc. Like those teams with those big name players with big brands, big personalities behind them, they're the ones that really bring in any viewership and any real interest into the league. So, I mean, I'll, I'll disagree with Pat, but I, I think that there is an, a conversation to be had with with like how CDL does next season because I'm assuming that there's no restrictions in 2022 hopefully not because I'm not ready to do this all over again uh, but hopefully in next year when there are more LAN events we could have something similar to maybe a mixture between this season and last season where you do essentially two weeks on one week off and you're traveling around the world competing for you know two three hundred thousand dollars every event that would make the players so happy where they could make a ton of money play in double elimination tournaments and still not travel every week because i know that was a complaint that people had last season uh with like the initial schedule so maybe something like that could happen but i'm i'm interested to see if there's a if there's a change or if they just keep going along with it next season yeah, so real, the, real quick, the, the thing for me was last season, obviously, all 12 teams didn't compete at every yeah. event, right? So that was, like, the biggest change coming for coming to this season was that they, they found a format so that every team was competing at every event. And I think that's important to continue in the next year because it's it's definitely, you know, it, when there were tournaments last year where Optic or the Huntsmen weren't competing, like a big chunk of the fan base wasn't tuning into those matches and it wasn't as exciting. And, you know, there, there were arguments of, like, you know, uh, X team wins this event with Y team not there, like how much does it count, or et cetera, yeah. like all those arguments. Regardless, I think making sure that all the teams are at all the events is important. And I think, you know, without putting too much thought into it, if there's no expansion next year, which I, I obviously want there to be expansion, mm -hmm. but in a world where there isn't expansion next year and we still have 12 teams, I think one just like quick idea that I think of is 12 home series on land. So each team hosts one home series uh, as a land event and then champs. Uh, don't know how you would space it out. Like you would have to obviously figure it out. There would probably be like a land every other week or something. Uh, something like that, but you you would have to figure out a schedule to make that work. So I don't really know how logistically uh, solid that is, but uh, to me that's just that's one like alternative to these like uh, if people aren't as interested in the group play matches, uh, 
that's one just alternative that I'm able to think of really quick. But, um, you know, we saw, like like I just brought up, we saw the CDL is willing to make changes. Um, we, we saw them move from 5v5 to 4v4 because that's what the players wanted, or the majority of the players wanted, right? And they made this format change to make sure all the teams are at all the tournaments. So um, I have faith that the CDL, you know, if... if other people agree with the idea that um, th these group play matches aren't as interesting to them as, you know, having just a ton of land, important matches. Um, maybe there's a change, but obviously that's just, you know, something we'll have to look out for next year. Yeah, and I think that it's just online makes it so much worse because there is no fan interaction. And, you know, even I know that Optic gets the biggest cheers when they're on land but just like the fact that we don't even get to see the players like because let's say like 25 percent of the players don't even have their cameras on so you don't really get to see their reaction when they win a map or they lose a map like it and i think that is that's hard especially for call of duty where it's like gears of war where there's a lot of trash talk and there's a lot of reactions after games or even after S and D rounds. So I think that, you know, not having that kind of interaction or that kind of uh, presentation, that's, that's a big change for call of duty. And I mean, maybe we could go back to more lands. I think, a, you know, 12 lands per year would be cool because every team would get to host one. And, you know, like we, like I don't think, you know, other than uh, ESWC, there's not been a ton in Paris, and you know, obviously there's not a big, a lot of big LAN events in New York. So, uh, like a lot of big non like NJ Rod stuff. So, um, hopefully we can uh, see some big lands in places that we usually don't see because the Minnesota launch weekend, the London series, the Atlanta series, uh, even I believe the LA series, which was the last one they did. Those were all cool because they were all, you know, somewhat different. And, and obviously the London one sticks out in people's minds because of the fans. But uh, we'll see. I think it's an interesting topic. And I think people re definitely be criticizing the CDL if nothing changes between uh, this season and next season. Um, I think it's a topic that this won't be the last time we talk about it. No. It should, you know... And in the off season and stuff, um, we'll we'll be looking at stuff like this. But I, it was just a tweet that I was reminded of earlier today. Um, and even though like this, what we just talked about necessarily wasn't exactly what Aix was saying in his tweet. Yeah. Um, it's just like you said, an interesting topic to think about. Uh, so that does it from us. Um, make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening or watching on, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Uh, Google Podcast. Uh, make sure to give us five stars on Apple Podcast. Uh, it helps us get higher in the rankings in um, the podcast lists. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Bink's Twitter is at jbink with two Ks. I'm at Prez Byers. And uh, you can follow the the podcast Twitter at Ego Chow Podcast. Uh, our next show will be on Tuesday, June 15th at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, we'll probably be talking about uh, the Stage 4 uh, major preview. We'll also be covering um, the final 10 matches of the Stage 4 group play. 
Um, the date, I guess, could change. It just depends on if the the major begins on Thursday or Wednesday. Um, they last time it was on Thursday, which coincides with all of the other uh, you know weeks of play, which was helpful because we didn't have to change anything. But for um, but we don't we don't know if that's a, a permanent change or if they just did it for that one major. So we'll see, uh, you know, just follow us on Twitter. Uh, we'll give you updates. If it's on Monday, uh, June 14th or Tuesday, June 15th, we'll let you know. Um, either way, we'll be recapping the final week of stage four group play and looking forward to the first LAN in like 16 months or something. Um, yeah, it'll be in Dallas uh, in front of no fans, but it'll be just refreshing to see players out of their bedrooms and and on the main stage in their slippers, most likely. So uh, that does it for me. Uh, Bink, if you have any other thoughts, then take it away. Oh, I'm good. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And as always, remember to send the shout.